is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I ask, what do we do next? Welcome in. We are live. I am away from my home studio, as you can tell. Uh, I am actually down at Fort Stewart in Georgia doing some training for the week. So I'm stepping away here just to spend some time with you guys all week long, every day here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Appreciate you guys joining me as always here on this Tuesday. And there is a lot to discuss throughout the rest of this week. As we said, we have Falcons minicamp coming up, or I should say rookie camp coming up at the end of this week. We'll discuss more of things there, including a very impressive draft grade that the Falcons got as well. Braves getting set to take on the Boston Red Sox in a two-game series. Super pivotal time for them right now if they really want to make that leap over 500. But I want to start tonight with the Atlanta Hawks. And I want to start with what they're going to do this offseason. You know, Tony Ressler made a comments to the media and talked about the future of this team and the future of where they're going to go and how they're going to get there. And Chris Kirshner, a friend of the show, uh, does a great job of covering the Hawks. And, you know, in his mailbag, he started asking fans to ask questions about what the future is going to look like, possible trades that they're going to see, and, and everything else that's going on. And so in, this, in reading the mailbag, you know, it, it's one of those things where he brings to light, without necessarily saying so, the true lack of options that the Hawks have in front of them. And, and this is interesting to me because I've said repeatedly, you cannot just run this thing back, right? We know that. Like, it, you, if you cannot run this thing back as it's currently constructed and expect to be better. At best, they're the sixth best team in the East. They just don't have the defense to be able to compete at a high level and win enough playoff games and enough playoff series to even get yourself back to the Eastern Conference Finals at this point. And so... What do you do to make this team better? And while Tony Ressler has admitted that they have to get better on defense, I asked the question, how? Because are there really that many high-level defenders available for this team to be had at a price that they can afford? This team is already over the luxury tax limit and the salary cap. Like, they have to make moves in order to get under that. And... I don't know how they're going to do that and still add pieces that are going to make a significant difference. And so let's just say for argument's sake, even if they don't care about the money and they are willing to bring people in, who's available that's going to make this defense markedly better? And, and I don't really know the answer to that. Whether it's names like Jeremy Grant or uh, you know other names that are out there, I, I don't really know what's possible for them when it comes to adding pieces to make this defense markedly better. So if there's not secondary pieces that you can add that are available, what's left? Well, that's sort of a blockbuster trade and that's it. Like, I'm not sure that there's anything else that they can do that really is so impactful that it's going to change this team. So, 
So from that standpoint, when you look at what out there, it's trade Jollins, it's Janari, it's trade Kevin Herter. I mean, all these, these pieces that are part of their core are moves that are going to have to be made. DeAndre Hunter, is he, is he here long-term? I mean, if you want this team to get significantly better, particularly defensively, you're going to have to break up the core of this team. I don't know how it, it doesn't happen any other way. I think that this team is super talented, and I think that they have a lot of good pieces, but they don't have a lot of great pieces. And they don't have a, a, enough pieces that will make them great over the course of an 82-game regular season and into a postseason. And, and Chris Kirshner, again, does a great job at looking at all the options that are available, whether it's Rudy Gobert uh, as somebody that could be available. Uh, you know, you talk about the, the uh, other players that, that are out there that could actually, you know, impact this team. He discusses Gallinari is going to be here long term as somebody who's likely going to get cut. Um, you know, possibly Malcolm Brogdon was another name bandied about in the column. And, and I don't know if this team is ready to do that. Like, there's a certain sense of I want to have the same pieces year in and year out. And I want some semblance of consistency because that's really what's going to help you get better is just by having a baseline and then getting a little bit better each year by one or two players, by one or two pieces that ultimately make a difference. And so is upsetting the entire apple cart and rolling the dice and hoping a whole new core of players, not a whole new, but a mostly new core of players is going to be able to, to net the results that you want. I don't know. It's tough to do that year in and year out. I mean, maybe for some other teams and some other players, like that's a possibility, but I don't know if it's a possibility here. And so I've said repeatedly about the Hawks future being bright. Remember what I said that, you know, Hey, if bright means just be fun, you know, be competitive, win games, make the playoffs, then yes, it's bright. But if you want to talk about winning a championship, there is not a bright future here, at least not right now. This is a team that is fun. It's exciting. It's competitive. It'll make the playoffs. It'll win a couple of playoff games, maybe even a playoff series, but it's not a championship caliber ball club. And that is the hard reality that Tony Wrestler and the Hawks have faced right now in understanding where they are. And Chris Kirshner alluded to that in his mailbag. Without a blockbuster move, without a huge, massive trade this offseason or some massive deal that is going to completely shake up what this team is as we know it, I don't know that they can get better enough. That's not the way I want to phrase that, but you get the point. If they can improve more enough that they are going to be a team that is top four in the Eastern Conference, let alone top one or two. And so what do the Hawks do? I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I, I think that they are there. They're in the mix, um, but they're not like, you know, good enough to really consider themselves championship caliber. And isn't that sort of the NBA purgatory, right? You're not in the lottery, but yet you're not a top team in the conference. You're just good enough to make the playoffs, but never good enough to beat anybody of worth. That's NBA purgatory. And it's not a place where you want to be for an extended period of time. Because if you are, you're going to struggle. And ultimately, you're going to end up firing coaches and trading away major pieces to try and make things better. So the Hawks have some really hard decisions to make this offseason, and it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. 
All right, coming up next, uh, we will get to the Atlanta Falcons as rookie minicamp gets underway and some very impressive draft grades. Plus, I think there is one surprise that we haven't acknowledged yet that I will divulge about the Falcons rookies. That's coming up next. It is A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back. It's A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Of course, give me a follow at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O, and follow us at Locked On ATL. Don't forget to check out all of the shows here on the Locked On Atlanta platform. After A to Z, you get Hitting Harder with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste, our Braves postcast after every single Braves game, including Grant McCauley, who is part of our network as well, Locked on Hawks with Brad Roland and Locked on Falcons with Aaron Freeman. The entire cast here is fantastic. We're building something really special here. We're glad you guys have joined along with us and certainly having a lot of fun doing it and speaking with you guys every day. And thanks for making Locked on Sports Atlanta your first listen every single day. Atlanta Falcons are going to start their rookie minicamp coming up at the end of this week. Yesterday on the show, I had mentioned that uh, I wanted to see what Troy Anderson was all about and why they picked this inside linebacker from Montana State over some other notable names and to see what he's all about. And I think he, from everything I've read, is going to be a guy that's all about the fit for this team and this defense and what Dean Peace wants to do. Now, Dane Brugler, who writes for The Athletic, was as good as it comes when it comes to draft coverage and scouting these college players and understanding who they are and how they're going to fit in certain teams, um, did two things. One, he gave out his favorite drafts and ranked them in order one through 32. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But he also looked at some of the holes that teams still need to fill given uh, what they did in the draft. And he mentioned for the Atlanta Falcons that what the Falcons also need help is on the defensive line. Um, and that, you know, with Grady Jarrett, um, there was a chance that some people thought the Falcons in the draft would make a run at UConn's Travis Jones in the second or third round, the Falcons went other needs on, on their defense, and there were a lot of them, but it's one of those deals where they still need some more help up front because after Grady Jarrett, you have a lot of question marks and players who just aren't very good. Um, you know, you, you're continuing to just look at this defensive line and go, who are these guys and, and how are they going to be effective? So I certainly understand that being good in the trenches is super important. And not only that, you know, uh, that's been a weakness of this franchise for a long time. So hopefully they can start to get better there. Now, um, Dame Ruvler ranked all of his drafts from 1 through 32, and he gave the Falcons glowing marks for his draft. In fact, ranked them eighth uh, out of all 32 teams. And here is the quick write-up. I really like what the Falcons did in the first three rounds. London and Kyle Pitts are big athletic men. will be tough to cover. Uh Katie gives the Falcons a legitimate pass rush threat. Anderson is raw, but a super athlete with a high ceiling. And once he develops, um, he says, I'm going to have to go with Ritter. The Falcons pass on the temptation to draft a quarterback in the first two rounds, but in the third round, the value is well worth the selection. And it doesn't stop the Falcons from addressing the position early in the early rounds next year if that's the best direction for the franchise. Like, oh, yeah, I've been saying that for a while. If you're going to draft a quarterback this year, guess what? You can draft one next year. Find enough Riddick can play, and if you can't, guess what? You draft another one next year. So I'm glad Dane agrees with me. Ah, I kid, but no, in all seriousness, he he, he hits it right on the head. Um, Ritter, Ritter was a great value pick, and everybody thinks that's, that's the best part about it, was you waited until the third round, you didn't reach for him, and he's here. And if he can't play, guess what? You'll get another one next year. But this is the big surprise, and I thought about this, and then I read what Dane Brugler says. 
uh, and it sort of confirmed what I had felt. Your weak is is Tyler Algier. That, I mean, you cut Mike Davis. Cordero Patterson is not a 15 to 20 carry guy in the backfield. You already know what Cadre Allison can do, and it's not much. Uh, and you drafted this kid, and he's going to be your bell cow back as much as you have one on first and second down. He's going to go into camp as the number one running back on this team. And Brugler writes, based on the team fit and value, Algier to Atlanta is one of my favorite day three picks this year. Although his burst is average, he runs with an instinctive feeling, quick feet for a bigger back, and shows the passing game potential to be an every down back. Algier's tape is very similar to James Conner when he was coming out of Pittsburgh. I mean, that to me says it all. If you want to be a third down back in this league, you got to be able to catch the ball in the backfield because you have to be able to do both. they got to be able to put you on the field to run it, and they got to be able to put you on the field to pass it. Uh, that's how you play all three downs at running back in the NFL. And this kid, by all accounts and everything we've read, and again, did not watch a ton of BYU football. I did while they were undefeated. Then they lost a couple of games and I stopped watching because I didn't care. Um, but nonetheless, you know, Tyler Algier is a guy that's going to walk into camp getting the lion's share of the carries, and there's no reason he shouldn't. I mean, this is not a very uh, adept run game at this point in time. This is not a team that's that's going to be – or at least can be run heavy unless they get some production out of the offensive line. And so if you're going to take Tyler Algier and do anything with him, stick him in there immediately, give him 12 to 15, 18 carries a game, and just see what the hell happens. Running backs are disposable all around. And is anybody really going to be that sore if a day three draft pick running back doesn't work out? I mean, there will be people who will look back on it and go, oh, you're stupid, wasted a pick, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it, but it's just there's no one's taking running backs in the first two rounds anymore unless they are roster-changing, franchise-changing type running backs. Guess what? The Giants 6-8-1 Barkley, second overall. What has he done for them? <laughs> Nothing. So uh, it's just not what teams are doing anymore because they know they can find production elsewhere in the draft. Uh, when it comes to running back and the position of running back. And so uh, if you get the blocking up front, a lot of guys can can be substituted. But I think Algier, and no one's really saying this yet, but what's the reason he's not going to be the number one running back on this team heading into training camp and the regular season? My guess is, as a betting man, that when you see the Falcons week one lineup and it flashes up on the screen and they list all the starters after quarterback, right next to Marcus Mariota in week one, maybe Desmond Ritter, Right there in block two, you're going to see running back Tyler Algier. He's going to be a week one starter. There's there's no there's nothing right now to support that he won't be. I mean, theoretically, I suppose Cordero Patterson could be the guy that's actually starting the game. But somebody tell me why Kadre Allison deserves more carries at this point in time than Tyler Algier does. What has been proven? I mean. If you look at the Falcons roster and and the running backs that are on it, there's a bunch of no names. And Algier may be the most accomplished one out of all of them coming out of college. Like, that's really what it boils down to. Does Damian Williams excite you? No. Caleb Huntley excite you? No. It's Tyler Algier all the way. So there's no reason to believe that he won't be the number one running back on this team when they start the games 
in week one. If somebody sees something different, I'd love to hear it because I haven't seen it yet at all. And and that's where the Falcons are. And I think that's a name that we're going to, going to continue to see develop. And fantasy nerds uh, who love to play fantasy football, watch out because that may be a guy worth drafting in the late rounds because he is going to be the number one back on the team and a starter. Just my guess. All right, we got more to do here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Again, make sure you check out all the shows here. We're going to wrap things up next. Stay with me. It is A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back. It's A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Wrapping things up here on this Tuesday for you. You know, the NFL schedule is going to be released uh, later on this week, I think it's on Thursday, and you're already starting to see some of the leaks come out. And I guarantee you over the next 24, 48 hours before they release the thing, you'll get leak after leak after leak after leak. Um, the latest leak right now is that week two of the NFL season is going to have a Monday night doubleheader uh, with the first game featuring the Eagles and Vikings in Philadelphia. And the second game, a rematch of one of the most exciting games from last year between the Bills and the Titans. This game will be uh, in Buffalo. And remember, the game last year came down to inches. I think um, the the Titans went for it on, what was it, fourth and down, fourth and goal, or was it a two-point conversion? I forget. It was like a one-point game. And Anyway, uh, it was a really exciting game. I do remember. But regardless, you're going to start to see uh, these leaks start to come out. Of course, we know all the international games already. Uh, it's just a question of when and where it goes. We absolutely know everybody's opponents and how they're going to do. Um, you know, we've heard about distances and traveling and everything else. Uh, I'll do the same thing I do every single year when the schedule is released. And I refuse, and I absolutely refuse to predict wins and losses in May for a season that starts in September, where I don't know who's going to be on the roster, who is starting, who's healthy, who's not. It's just the stupidest thing we do in sports radio. And any sports radio show that predicts wins and losses at this point in time it's a waste of your time. Don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. I'm not going to do it, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the schedule and the tough off of several different factors. One, the level of the quarterbacks that you're going against. Who are the other starting quarterbacks that you're facing this year? Now I can do that right now with the Falcon schedule, but some of that is based off of how much of a stretch you face them in back-to-back -back games. Do you see them early? Do you see them late? Are there chances for injury? Uh, you know, are, are, is that team in the middle of two or three straight road games? Uh, or is that team in the middle of just returning home after a bye? All those things matter about when you face the best quarterbacks in the league. Look at the defenses that you're facing. Who are they and where are they? Are you facing them at home or on the road? Are you more likely to see a defense that is that is very good against the run or good against the pass? Like Those are things that you can grade when you look at uh, a given team and the situations. What are your road game situations like? How many back-to-back -back road games do you have? Do you have a stretch of three in a row on the road? Do you have to go international and then play the next week? I mean, all these things, is your opponent going international and playing the next week? All these things factor into the team's ability to win or lose any given game throughout the schedule. That's the way you break apart the schedule and dissect it. And look at four-game stretches uh, that you can try to win a four-game period. Because that's what coaches do, right? They try to tell you, hey, we, we can go three and one in four, four games. Well, that's five. One of them is five games because we play 17. But you get the point. If you break it up into quarters, you go three and one in each quarter. Guess what? You're a playoff team. You know, that, that's essentially it. So 
You know, look at when you play your division opponents. Do you, do you see most of your division early? Do you see them late? You know, the NFL has now gotten into this habit of trying to get like three of your three or four of your six division games in the last eight weeks of the season. Um, I'd rather play my division opponents early when I'm healthier, not later when I have more guys banged up and the possibility of missing more guys. But the difference is, is when you play them early, you know, a lot of it gets out of your control because you don't see them late. So if you need a win, a division win or a conference win, and you don't play those guys late, you're hoping somebody else beats them for you. All those things are going to factor into how and when uh, a team is able to, to get wins. Predicting wins now at this point is stupid. It, it's a waste of time. And I can't stand radio shows that do it. And I've told them all that. It's just dumb. There's absolutely no way you can, with any certainty, look at a schedule and go, well, that game's going to be a win. Because inevitably, there's a team that was good right now that we think is going to be good that when you play them in the season is bad. A team that you expected to be bad during the regular season is going to be pretty good, and it's not going to be an easy win. It happens every single year. So not going to do it, but we are going to look at the Falcons' schedule later this week and try to figure out, you know, uh, where the pitfalls are uh, and what stretches they may have a chance to win a couple of games depending on who they play. And still. We know that there are going to be more pieces added to this roster, especially with the June 1st date looming uh, and teams getting some more cap relief or teams being able to move more players or teams cutting players uh, after June 1st. There's still free agents out there that the Falcons could get that could dynamically change things. So what are you going to try to predict a win for in May? It's just ridiculous. Oh, by the way, there, there are free agents that the Falcons can still go after, you know, um, and, and I still think there are a lot of viable names out there for this team um, when you look at what is still on the board. And so I think Terry Fontenot will start to add a couple more pieces, legitimate pieces for this team, and see if he can't get a roster that's a little bit more competitive than people expect. Uh, give out one-year deals at this point, right? Because that's all you really can afford. Well, I shouldn't say that. The fact that maybe to be able to afford multi-year deals, given what they have, in cap room next year and the following year. So they may be one of the few teams that can offer somebody um, who needs a, a multi-year deal, wants a multi-year deal. They may, able, may, may be able to be one of the teams who does it as long as it's cheap in the first year and they get more money on the back end. That's one of the more advantageous positions the Falcons may be in as opposed to other teams who may only have room for a one-year deal. So uh, still a lot of maneuvering to be done, a lot of maneuvering to be done. Uh, and, and when the schedule comes out, absolutely we'll dissect it here on A to Z. We're not going to sit here and try to predict wins. Uh, that's just a, a, a fool's exercise, guys. Uh, make sure you guys give me a follow on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Follow us all at Locked On ATL and keep up with everything we have going on. Big game for the Braves tonight against the Boston Red Sox. Uh, need to sweep this. They really, really, really need to sweep this series. I cannot have this team lose to the Red Sox at this point in time. Red Sox have lost five. This is a team that's not scoring runs right in this series in the first game of it. Then you get Ian Anderson. This should be a no-brainer for them. Kyle Wright's been their best pitcher. He's got to do that here and then get this team back to 500 after this series is over. Then you start to really feel like you take two out of three from the Padres, as I've said earlier in the week and said late last week, that's when you can start to turn this thing around. That's really where you can start to feel good about where they're going. Because after that, the schedule lightens up a little bit, but they got to go out on the road. So it's going to be a little bit tougher.
But I would expect if they can finish this homestand one game above 500, you feel really good about where this team is. But you got to sweep the Red Sox. You, you can't afford to give a game away to them and have a bad game, uh, especially with your best pitcher starting in the first game of the series. So we'll keep our eyes on that uh, for the Atlanta Braves uh, as they start this two-game series before they see the Padres coming up this weekend. That'll do it for me today here on A to Z. Appreciate you guys spending some time with me. And thanks for making A to Z your first listen. Make your next listen. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, the Atlanta sports talker. All the best opinions on every sports, Braves, Hawks, Falcons, Dogs, whatever it may be. It's all coming from hitting hard on John Chuckery right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search. Locked on Sports Atlanta. That'll do it for me here on this Tuesday. You guys have a great day. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya.